Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. My full name is Kimbra Lee Johnson. I feel like my whole life leading up to when I was 17 was saturated in music. I, not necessarily from my family, they're all, uh, you know, doctors and nurses, um, but I was just immersed in it from a young age, whether it was theater, um, productions, you know, school productions, musicals, um, singing the national anthem for sports games because people knew I sang. And so, you know, at the age of sort of 14, 15, I sang in front of 27,000 people at an all blacks game, you know, things like this. and entered a high school band competition at 14 that I was the only woman in the finals and actually, well, I guess girl at that point, hardly a woman, but um, came second in the country and sort of had this moment of being like, oh, wow, like, I guess this isn't just something that makes me happy. Like, oh, this seems to make other people happy too. And that was a big shift because it was always this, I think of music as like some kind of prayer language that I had at a young age. It was like a way that I wrestled with meaning and asked these very existential questions. I wrestled with the idea of suffering and pain in my songs. If you listen to my early songs, they're heavy, dude. Like they're really, you know, I'm really unpacking my identity as a young girl working things out. And they're, they're highly romantic, which is hilarious for a young girl, of course, who has never had a substantial relationship. But this is the prepubescent, you know, development of a, a young girl who's just wrestling with all these thoughts. And I put it all into my songs. Um, not really knowing that anyone else would take much from it. But once I realized they did, I sort of thought, huh, okay, well, maybe this could really be a contribution. And I've always had a strong bent towards wanting to make a difference. Um, and that comes from my spiritual journey as well. Um, but when I realized that music could actually be something that offers something to the world and provides you with influence and possibility for good. I think that's when I started becoming very ambitious. Speaking as someone living in America now where I've learned that it's okay to celebrate yourself and to celebrate your art. Um, I, I, I can proudly, you know, or like boldly say that this was a calling on my life. This was a, a sense of duty and a sense of gifting, strong gifting from, from a creator of sorts or from, from a place that I didn't understand. And the impact I was able to have on people felt quite profound. You know what I mean? Like people really coming up to me after the show and being like, that was so moving. And, you know, this was actually more about connection. That's sort of what I realized I had a gifting for was to be able to be quite vulnerable on stage and sort of share myself in a way that didn't have a lot of facade. Um, and people need that. <laughs> they really need to see mirroring of their pain and, and, and confusion on the stage. So that was a big moment of realizing, okay, this is more than just entertainment. Maybe I can actually provide a place of like belonging for people. I mean, I think most of us don't feel like we really make a difference in 
people's lives. I mean, you know that your immediate family you have some impact on, but to kind of have the power and therefore responsibility to help shape other people, their experience. I mean, that's, I mean, I guess that's what art is. I mean, art is kind of helping to shape people. Honestly, I struggle to always remember that, um, you know, because my father's a doctor and my mother's a nurse and I know the impact that they have on the world around them in such a tangible way. My father has literally saved lives. You know, he's been part of huge, you know, um, moments of, of um, life with people, whether it's helping people through cancer or through seeking out euthanasia and things that are really big, you know what I mean? So I've always been aware that actually everyone contributes a lot to the world, no matter your job, the janitor, the, you know, and, and I don't necessarily feel that I'm particularly special in that way. But I think everyone needs to find their calling and needs to find where they can contribute most. But it's funny how when I tell people I'm a singer, they're like, wow, they look at me like I've just said I'm the queen or something like, you know, like there is this sort of response, this incredible calling on my life that, you know, I'm a songwriter, I write for the people I write. And I always sort of think, well, well, I don't, what about you? What do you do? They say they're a pilot. I go, wow, you know, tell me, you fly people across the world, you know? That, so it's it's interesting because I'm humbled by that, that people do take it. And it makes me realize that to me, art is everything. I mean, I'm, I'm just immersed in it every day. But for a lot of people who have nine to fives, like going to a concert by one of your favorite artists or engaging in an album that you listen to top to bottom is actually quite life-changing, you know, like, and more than ever in the COVID-19 crisis, we do need artists. They are essential workers, you know? And I think this this pandemic has kind of helped me remember really what I do give to the world. Not that I ever completely forget, but it is hard sometimes when you're not on tour and you're sort of sitting in your studio trying to create an album and you sort of think, well, what am I really doing to change things? You know, I'm not, I, yeah, it's hard to explain. I guess if you compare it to say someone who is out there on the streets volunteering and doing, you know, it's a different kind of impact that I have that is not more or less meaningful. It's just, it's harder to gauge sometimes. The best way that I've come up with to explain the feeling I get when I've written something really important is I'll put my headphones on and I'll listen to the thing that I just made, right? So it could be something on the piano and just singing it with a voice memo and I'll go for a walk through New York or something and I'll put on the headphones to see how I feel about the song. And I know that if the song is done or when, that I've done something important uh, when I can't stop listening to it because it's saying something that I wish I could express and the song is doing that. Like say I've had a feeling that was so ambiguous and like, oh, I wish I could like explain this to this person or it's like this really tricky spot that it's like, it's this, but it's also this or whatever. And I'm struggling. I'm in a state of real angst about it because I don't know what I'm really feeling. And then sometimes I'll write a piece of music and I cannot stop listening to it. Not because I think it's a genius and I'm like, oh, this is the best song ever because it's literally narrating something that I've struggled to put words to. So this is not even about anyone else yet. No one else is in the picture yet. This is purely just an, this is just for me. Like I just needed that to, it's like I got to say what I was 
trying to say. And then the song is like, ah, that's it. I, I still can't explain it, but if I give that to someone, they'll they'll get what I'm trying to feel. So it's like really cool that that without anyone else involved, I can just have this personal relationship with like music can narrate, can put meaning to something that I've struggled to put language to. It's pretty intangible for me when something comes out on the internet or whatever. It's like, I guess you like look to see how many thumbs up it got or something on YouTube, but it's like a very weird way of affirming the art. I think the time that I really sense that is when I look out in a crowd and I see someone singing the lyrics and I'm like, oh, whoa, like they, this is their story too. And then maybe meeting them after the show and they say, look, you know, a friend passed away last year and the song they wanted played at their funeral was Waltz Me to the Grave, the song that you wrote on the Golden Echo, you know. And then you kind of go, oh, okay, like this is, these songs aren't my own anymore. They're, they're someone else's. They're the soundtracks to other people's lives now. Um, so it feels important. It feels good, you know. It feels good to know that you could offer something. Um, it also feels somewhat disconnected at that point. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I actually mean that I am no longer, it's more theirs now, like than mine. I, I've had my time with this music. I tore it to shreds making it. I, you know, lived it. I cried it. I sung it. I, whatever. So I'm thinking about the next thing now. That's mine is the next thing now. You know what I mean? That song that has come out is is very much um, belongs to someone else and and I like it that way. I think that's how I stay sane. <laughs> Making Meaning is a limited series from Ministry of Ideas. It is produced by me, Zachary Davis, and Jack Pombriand. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support us by sharing the show with your friends, subscribing, and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. For more information, visit our website at ministryofideas.org. You can connect with us on Twitter, where we're at Ministry of Ideas. You can also email us at zachary at ministryofideas.org. We would love to hear from you. Ministry of Ideas is a proud member of Hub and Spoke, a Boston-centric collective of smart, idea-driven podcasts. You can check out all of our shows at hubspokeaudio.org.